It's time for Carolina Blitz, the freshest coverage of Carolina sports and entertainment. Hosted by founder and editor-in-chief, Bash Ty Hurt. She don't play games. She covers them. Thank you for tuning in to Carolina Blitz, the radio show on ESPN 730 The Game. My name is Bash Ty Hurt. I'm your host and founder and editor-in-chief of Carolina Blitz. Carolina Blitz is a website, a brand dedicated to finding fresh and compelling news stories in and outside of traditional sports reporting and sharing them with you guys, the fans, in a way that is entertaining and fun. Uh, we're a credentialed media outlet. We cover the Carolina Panthers, do Blue Devils, UNC Tar Heels, NC State Wolfpack, and more. So make sure you're going to carolinablitz.com to check out our coverage. We're happy to bring our brand and our style to radio here on 730 The Game. If you follow us, which I hope you do, uh, at Carolina Blitz on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, you'll know that we appreciate the fans of our teams and the passion that they have when it comes to their squads. We also like to do a little th- do things a little bit differently. So each week, we'll highlight you, the fans, the fans of the teams we cover, and we'll have you on as a special co-host. So if you're interested, our DMs are open. So we're lining up co-hosts for the foreseeable future. Uh, last week, we had on Oz, and this week, we have on JJ of Panthers culture. If you are a Panthers fan and you're on Twitter, you know this guy and you know his brand. Um, JJ, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Panthers culture, how it started, and then what kind of merch you have available for fans. Well, first of all, Vesta, thank you for having me. Um, When it comes to Panthers culture, I started the brand about 18 months ago. Um, at first, it was just the, an idea to have a blog, and the, and the purpose of the blog was to, to be able to talk about the intersection of sports and, and politics and you know, those taboo subjects that people don't like to touch. Um, and I wanted to come from a different perspective. Um, I, I learned that over the last few years in the NFL in particular, um, there has been a lot of... Um, lack of understanding in what was going on and what was going on from the minority perspective. And I thought it was important to have voice from that space. And so the idea of Panthers culture sprung from that. We had signed Eric Reed or given him an extension. And I was really concerned about the fan base in the Carolinas and being able to understand what was going on. So um, I started the brand. Uh, When I started the brand, I went out to an artist that I knew, a Japanese artist who specialized in and tribal type art. And we created a, a logo together, which is my current Panthers culture logo. And after I actually saw the finished product, you know, it was my ideas. I'm an artist myself. Hmm. And after finishing the, the product together with him, I thought it was dope. And so one of our friends on, on Panthers Twitter, um, Bobby Rasco, uh, formerly Tacos and Slurpees. Shout out Tacos uh, and Slurpees. Yeah, exactly. That's my guy. He introduced me to Panthers Twitter. And once I showed him the logo, I asked him, I said, man, you think people want to, you know, to, to have this? And he said, yeah. And so I went straight into production with shirts and stuff like that. So um, it wasn't about the T-shirts or the apparel in the beginning. It was about the content and the voice. But, you know, I do both. And um, recently I haven't been pushing the sales because of COVID and I want to yeah. be sensitive to people's financial situations. So I don't want to 
to push sales down their throats. But the, the apparel is still on my website. Um, you can go to panthersculture.com slash shop. Um, and also there you'll find in my blog, I have a couple of entries I like to write, but only when I feel it. Gotcha. So I'm not like that. And I'm, and I'm sensitive about my stuff. <laughs> and aren't, aren't, we aren't all artists sensitive about our ish, right? Right, right. Well, I'm, sens- I'm sensitive about my ish. And so um, I can't just write for the sake of writing. I have to feel it. And I have a couple of entries. I could write more. Uh, but that's the brand in a nutshell. There's so much more to offer um, in terms of who I am and why I do what I do. But just know I do it for the people. I do it for the culture. All right. That is dope. And the artwork and and it's it's interesting. It's good to hear the background because I always liked the logo and I was curious how you came up with it. And it does kind of have that Japanese uh, style to it. So it makes right. perfect sense. So guys, again, you're listening to Carolina Blitz Radio on ESPN 730, The Fan. We are talking to JJ from Panthers Culture our guest host for the week. Uh, make sure you're following him on Twitter uh, at Panthers Culture. Now, speaking of Twitter, if you're listening to the show, we had Oz on last week and Oz and, and, and Panthers Culture are kind of the antithesis of each other. And it's crazy because I've lined up having uh, JJ on the show before, earlier this week. And on Thursday... There was a bit of Twitter beef. Uh, things got spicy on Twitter uh, between you and some of the other Panthers uh, Twitter members. Uh, and you were accused of bashing Cam or at least being flaky. So it all started with a tweet. You tweeted that Cam has, quote, no room for error and that the pa- uh, the Pats would be mad if the team didn't beat Garoppolo this weekend. So can you explain what you meant by that? I think people took my tweet out of context, but I can understand why or how, um, considering some of the recent events around Panthers, Twitter, and the Panthers as a team. Um, during the offseason, after Cam got picked up by the, by the Patriots, a lot of people were heaping praise on that acquisition. And, and when we saw the media pivot, do a 180 to start supporting Cam. I think I tweeted out a few times over the summer that, you know, you just got to give it time because as being a Cam fan myself, along with many of these other people on Twitter um, and Panthers Twitter, we know how it is supporting Cam. We know how mercurial of an athlete he is in terms of how the media perceives him. And we also know he doesn't get many passes for performances. And in that fan base in New England, I don't trust them to be loyal to Cam um, because they have a history. And we just haven't seen it that history in the NFL because for the last 20 years, Tom Brady's been there. And that media base and those fans had planned for Jimmy Garoppolo to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady. But, but it's been a few years. It's been a few it, years since Garoppolo has left the Pats. Yeah, he left in he left in, in 20, um, I think it was 2017. He got traded to San Francisco, but there was some history there. Um, Bill Belichick wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to take over from Tom, but Tom wasn't ready to retire. And so 
Tom, I think, went to Robert Kraft and, and told him that he wanted to stay. But I don't think he liked looking over his shoulder at Jimmy Garoppolo. But Bill Belichick was ready to uh, to give Jimmy his shot because he, he figured that a 40-year-old quarterback was ready to be done. And so because there was some consternation, Kraft sided with Brady and Bill decided to trade away the heir apparent. But a lot of the fans in, in New England understood that, and they were also ready for Jimmy to take over. He had shown well and the opportunities he had. And so, um, so I knew a, a little background that I wasn't providing in my tweet yesterday. Um, so broadly, I think that that fan base is fickle, like the rest of the NFL that has been, and even Carolina fans have been about Cam Newton so- in the past. So you're saying it was more of a knock on the Pats fans and not Cam Newton? Because I could see kind of both ways. I get where you were going with it, saying it's not that Cam, you know, Cam didn't have his best game this past Sunday. And, you know, I know some people are tired of hearing about Cam, but it's going to be at least until this season is over (laughs) with, until people stop talking about that, just because of how how everything went down. But I get what you're saying about there not being any room for error on the Pat side of yes, Yes. I mean, Cam Newton, as a player, um, as an icon for the Carolina Panthers, I have nothing but respect and admiration for him. That's why I went so hard for Cam. Um, I, by nature, am a person who tends to move on, but not in a negative way. It's just so I could focus on what's ahead of me. That's just my my way and so when cam when i won't say when cam moved on when they decided to move on from cam i was upset like everybody else um but i was also excited for who they were bringing on and and so it was easier for me because i was a teddy bridgewater fan before um before they moved on from cam but i've always been i've always been supportive of cam um i was supportive during the 86 days while he was waiting and I'm supportive now and I'm going to be, I hope he get, you know, his respect and I hope he gets a, a, a long-term contract. I just didn't respect um, how they brought him in on that low deal. And I knew that fan base and I don't trust them to, to be 100% supportive of Cam um, through any kind of adversity. So that's what it was about. I'm not a Cam slanderer. Um, and, but I do get people's um, angst. Would you extent. say that Garoppolo and Cam are in the same category? No, no. Okay. Cam is the superior quarterback to Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't capable of being an MVP. Okay. Um, I think it's important for you to put that out there because, you know, it, it, you want to make that distinction. We're not talking about apples here. Garopp- we're, you are not saying Garoppolo and Cam are like anywhere near on the same no. level. No, it's it's about what people want, right? And in fan and fandom, you know, people have an image of what a position should look like and what a position should be played like. And in in New England, for twenty years, that's been Tom Brady. For nearly twenty years, it's been Tom Brady, and he's a prototypical pocket style quarterback, quick decisions, quick release all the things that have come to identify um, as the traditional NFL quarterback franchise face, all that stuff, you know, cookie cutter type guy. And he's the greatest of all time 
by some people's account. Right. But when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo, they saw him as more of a person in that in that mode. And he's gone. You know, so this isn't about an apples to apples at all, apples to apples at all. It's about the fact of what they would prefer. And that's what the tweet was about that I quote tweeted. It was about how they had made a mistake by not keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. So I was just basically So for the record, for the record, for the record, you are not saying that you were not trashing Cam Newton in any way. Man, I think Cam Newton, well, no. And I wasn't. um, Cam Newton is one of the top quarterbacks in this league when he's right. And when he's on this game, there isn't but a handful of quarterbacks who can do what Cam Newton does. All right. There we, there we go. The record is straight. Now let's switch gears. Uh, <laughs> okay. Teddy Bridgewater. You know, some would say that you're a Teddy Bridgewater homer and that you would defend <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater no matter what he does. Now, is that the case? Because, you know, how how would you say, how would you say he played played so far this season? Would you say he's played well? I would say he's played well considering, you know, all the excuses we give any quarterback who's starting on a new team um, with new faces, um, being the the face of a franchise for the first time in, what, five years? Um, I think the last time he played a full season as the starting quarterback was 2015. And ever since then, we know about the devastating injury um, and all of that stuff. So considering what he's had to deal with, I would consider that he's played well. I mean, just last last week when you were talking to Oz, I remember you stating facts of Teddy was leading the league in completion percentage. Um, you know, he was basically top 10 in a bunch of passing categories. And so all it took was one game because we're so early in the season to make all that look very mediocre. I was, I was just about to say, I, I laid all that. I laid all that out for Oz. And then Teddy Bridgewater goes out and lays an egg against the Bears. Mm -hmm. 16 of 29, 216 yards, two interceptions, zero touchdowns, a 50.4 QBR. And I'm watching the game in the press box like, wow, I know that Oz is going to be in my mentions about Teddy Bridgewater and his play. Do you think that that was more of an anomaly? Because I think that this week against the Saints will tell us a lot of what we need to know about if Teddy Bridgewater will be able to um, to carry this Panthers offense. Well, I, I think it comes down to who dictates the game. And in that game, and in, in contrary to what Oz mentioned yesterday, I didn't see a lot of it because I was traveling from Pensacola um, through rural Alabama during the game time. And so I missed much of the um, first half, you know, much of the third quarter. So I couldn't see the sequences of the games, but I came back on Monday and I watched. And it just looked like the Bears dominated up front, right? And they took control of that game from that goofy start, you know, the uh, penalty on the kickoff return. They sacked Teddy on a twist. Um, put us down near the one or two yard line. And on third down, Teddy was trying to pass out of the end zone. Ball gets tipped, interception. Right. Now you right? I don't think Teddy, I don't think the Panthers, I don't think the way that we're currently built, I don't think that we're good enough to get down early. 
Um, we've been down early in some games this year, and it's going bad for us. And especially when you are playing against what I consider a, a, an elite defense like Chicago, mm-hmm. who are built to to stay on top of you because they have a great pass rush, they have a great secondary, they have a they have great players at, at all phases. They have Khalil Mack up front, they have Roquan Smith and Trevathan at the linebacker position, and then they have Eddie Jackson and, and Kyle Fuller at cornerback. They're 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 stacked through all phases, and I don't think Teddy is the type of quarterback who's going to beat a great defense if he becomes one-dimensional. So are we saying that Teddy then Teddy can't be the guy to bring a Panthers? He's not good enough to, let's say, be Cam a la 2015. We all saw the video where the uh, – I forget who they were playing against, but he shook his head and was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get this done. Right. So right. Teddy, you're saying that Teddy is not that ca- caliber of quarterback. Yeah, that video. I believe it was it was against the Giants that that game, and and I think he ended up throwing for like five touchdowns, three hundred yards. I think he may have ran for a hundred. It was a crazy game by Cam. No, Teddy can't perform to that level. You know, he's not going to give you five touchdowns through the air and, and rush for a hundred yards. I mean, we need to get over that part. Okay. And when it comes to my fandom, it's easy for me to to support Teddy because I have no no MVP ceiling for him, right? I think a part of the reason... So your expectations are lower than, let's say, Cam Newton, for Cam Newton. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We've seen Cam perform at an MVP level for a full season. And we've seen glimpses of that in other seasons. When you look at 2017, um, when you look at the beginning of 2018, we know the talent level that's there um, because of the multidimensional ways that he can beat you. Teddy isn't a dual threat by definition. He has the ability mm-hmm. to run and scramble, but he's not somebody who's going to beat you all game by doing right. that. Cam can beat you by running and, and passing. Teddy can actually beat you through the air, but it's still a more methodical approach to doing mm-hmm. that. I'm going to tell you why I support Teddy Bridgewater, and I mentioned this on my live yesterday. Teddy Bridgewater breaks the mold in a different type of way for black quarterbacks. Um, and it's in the way that's cerebral. You never hear that word used for black quarterbacks. I've never, I've been watching football all my life. I've never heard anybody say, oh, this guy is cerebral. Besides now, maybe- I, get, I get that they don't use that word, but that doesn't mean it doesn't apply. No, I know that. I know that. Okay. But, but the reason that I, I, I like hearing it is because our guys feel like, you know, unless... I can throw the ball 70 yards and run a four or five. I can't be an NFL quarterback. You know, if I don't perform like an MVP, then I can't be in this league. While we see other quarterbacks are able to be mediocre and keep jobs for years, right? If you slander somebody like Teddy Bridgewater who doesn't have those physical attributes, um, then somehow they get washed away in terms of, being able to start for a franchise, being able to start um, for an NFL team. And I know I've seen a lot of quarterbacks play that Teddy Bridgewater belongs as a starter in this league and um, supported him as that before he became a Panther. And when he became a Panther, then like, okay, this is my guy. I'm going to support him as a Panther. And honestly, when he first got drafted, when he first got signed by the Panthers in March, I looked at him like he could be a bridge to the next thing. Okay. But it was... 
So, all right. So, so he's a placeholder then you're, you're, you understand that. He's, okay. You don't know if he's a placeholder. Some would say he's a placeholder. I like the fact that, I, that you brought up uh, people uh, calling him a cerebral quarterback. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, we've heard that several times from, from, from guys and folks. Uh, but again, as I said, I, I don't think that anybody who plays a quarterback position is not, uh, I think they they all have those abilities. I just think that unfortunately black quarterbacks, those were, wor- those words aren't attached to them because they're so much more athletic. And so, exactly. you know, you have when in actuality, they have both where they're, you know, you have to be cerebral to play the quarterback position. But for some reason, when it comes to black quarterbacks, they don't want to add that label to it. They want to say, Oh, there, he's a freakish, he's a freakish athlete as if, you can't have both, and that's what makes you potent. Okay, yeah. we're gonna move on to blitz or block. Okay, again, blitz or block. If you're listening right now, you're tuned into Carolina Blitz Radio on ESPN 7:30. The fan blitz or block. I'm gonna pose three questions. You're either blitzing or blocking, and give a brief description as to why the Panthers will have a winning record over the next four games. Now, tough stretch coming up. Away at New Orleans, Thursday night at home against the Falcons, at the Kansas City Chiefs, and at home for the Buccaneers. Block. Block. I agree. Definitely block. Now, I personally think the Panthers will be lucky to win one game during this stretch. During the four games? During the four games. Being as objective as I can be, I can see why you would say that. I would hope for two wins during that four-game stretch. But, you know, considering you're playing against the defending champions, um, we're playing against the Bucks again, who've already right. beat us. Um, you know, our best chances to win are these next two games. The really. next two games. You're absolutely right. And yeah. it is important to note, Rasul Douglas has been placed on the reserve COVID-19 list, so he will not be available for the Saints game on Sunday. Very, very young secondary going into New Orleans against a potent offense led by Drew Brees, who hasn't been able to chuck it very far this year, but he may go bombs over Baghdad on the Panthers. Who knows? It'd be just the Panthers' luck. All right. Blitz or block? Matt Rule should be in the running for coach of the year. There weren't high expectations for the Panthers this year. Right now, they're 3-3 three and three and in the hunt for the NFC South. So you said should or should not be? Should. In the should be in the running for coach of the year. Blitz. Blitz. Why? Just because of how just because of the three and three record? Not just because of the three and three record. It's because Matt Rule took over a new team in probably the weirdest year in recent NFL history in terms of being able to bring the team together. Mm-hmm. Um just imagine being a head coach of a new team, your first head coaching job in the NFL. And for the first what four, five months, you can't even meet with your players in person. And so, you know, to be able to pull together a staff, to be able to pull together a team after being 0-2, if the Panthers end up anywhere near 500 at the end of the year, then he have to get some consideration for coach of the year. And, that's, right. and I'm not even a big Matt Rule guy, mm-hmm. but he is winning me over by how this team is responding during this time. I would say that the Panthers have uh, surpassed expectations. Let's temper things, though. Everybody, I saw, saw this question out there. The Panthers are still three and three, so they're at five hundred. I understand that rule came in college coach. 
uh, very, very little professional background as far as coach on the coaching level. And um, what he has done has been impressive. I personally am blocking this. I would not go that far yet. I mean, I under three and three in the hunt for the NFC South, unconventional offseason, but coach of the year. Relax. I don't know about that. Relax. Okay. Okay. Just a little I, bit. I'll ask you this though before you move on. You have to look at a look across the league and see who has done more with as little as him at the end of the year. Too early. Too early. It's just too early. To I, I saw the it. I'm like, too, it's too early. The Panthers could really not win another game this season. And then then we're in the, then they're in the boat where you know you it, the tank for Trevor boat. So you know that we've we've seen that on that on Twitter. So um, yeah, I think it's I think it's too early now. I think okay. that the Panthers would have to have a winning record for serious consideration. That's just okay. that's just my I opinion. That. I can respect that, but I'm, I'm going more so on now. Yeah, and, I get it. And his winning record. Before last Sunday, you know, and people were very high. And I'm not like I said, I'm I wanted a different coach, but I'm I'm riding with him because I like what I see so far. If they won last week, I would blitz it. They lost to the Bears. I'm blocking. All right, okay. final one. The Saints are a rival of the Panthers. Blitz or block. Few back a little background. They lost. One, uh, they've only won one of their last seven games against the Saints. Prior to that, they were five and two. Blitz or block. The Saints are a rival of the Panthers. Block. Um, personally, I don't think you can be an adequate rival to a team until you can consistently beat them. Um, you can consistently be competitive. And the Panthers haven't done that, you know, consistently in recent years. And and I also think you have to have something nasty going on, personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it can be well, about Cam, Cam Jordan's been his mouth is a little reckless. He and Cam had that little thing going where the wine and the broom and all of that stuff. So there was history at that time. But I I agree. Think, think about it now. You know, those guys, I'm not even sure they really even want to go after Teddy that hard. And, you know, in terms of what he Please. means, and what, I, don't, I mean, I know Cam Please. Jordan is going to hit him. Now. They come in. They're coming for Teddy. Cam Jordan but, said he can't I, wait to sack Teddy is no when that when that ball is snapped and they in between uh, and they're in the trenches. Teddy <laughs> can go down like any other quarterback. No, I know. Down. I know. I get that part. But let's let's keep it real about Cameron Jarrell Jer- Newton when he was a uh, quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. The way Cam was made people want to get him a little bit, a little bit extra. Listen, I, I get what you're saying. People did yeah. not like Cam swag. They didn't like the way he <laughs> right. carried himself. They didn't like his clothes. To me, that was pure D hate. I mean, guys are doing it over the league. And honestly, Cam was a trendsetter on that because nobody was talking about pregame outfits on the football level before yep. Cam started doing what he did. Give that yep. man his flowers. All right, yeah. real quick. <laughs> Real yeah. quick, game prediction this weekend, Panthers versus Saints. Ooh, honestly, I'm a very optimistic person. I had picked us to win before that recent news about Rasul Douglas. Now I'm kind of concerned. But I'm going to stick with my winning prediction. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Earlier this week, I picked 34-31. I'm going to stick with it because I still remember last year, Kyle Allen went to the Dome and had the opportunity to win 
if it wasn't for a missed field goal. And the and the and the Panthers season went down after that. I remember I was at that game and the locker room was very heated and livid. I'm you can be optimistic. I'm gonna be a realist. No Rasul Douglas. Uh, people have been calling uh, Drew Brees noodle arm. I don't think he's going to be a noodle <laughs> arm on Sunday. I think he's going bombs over Baghdad. I think Michael Thomas will probably play. This is a division game. I expect the Saints to win and to win big. I just that that secondary, I, that secondary, that secondary. I think that Sean Payton smells blood in the water. Is not going to be. It's not going to be good for the Panthers. Everybody's predicting that, but let me let me bring up this statistical note. And um, currently, the the Panthers are thirteenth against the pass, and they're allowing a league low six point something yards per pass attempt. And that doesn't necessarily um, work against how Drew Brees operates because he likes passing it short. But if they do that, if they go bombs away, I think it's going to be more you know of the short pass variety high volume and they might take some shots but so far the Panthers have been pretty good you know about keeping um quarterbacks from taking big shots and making big passes against them so uh so we'll see I, I mean, all right I'm with, I'm with you I'm with you I can, we'll, I can see, how we'll see what happens all right guys thank you for tuning into our show thank you for JJ from Panthers culture make sure you're checking out uh and following him on Twitter we'll be here on ESPN 7:30 every Saturday at 10 30 uh make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram keep blitzing <laughs>